0: Love talk radio.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of World Championship Boxing. And today we are talking about Showtime's The Kings documentary. And I'm joined once again by one silva. How you doing, man? Oh, I didn't bring you on. Yeah. Hey, you, you, sounding like a, a, you
0: sounding like a 1980s, uh you sounding like a nineteen eighties uh FM radio pop station DJ. Hello again, everybody. This is World Championship. <laughs> What's up, baby? What's up?
1: Yeah, I got a new microphone, so maybe it sounds a little yeah, it better.
0: Sounds, it's, it, it sounds very professional and very. Hey, it's. What was that, what was that guy's name? Uh, oh, This is Hollywood Henderson. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway that's what I'm going for there you go you know me man like I should have been in the 70s with my voice
0: oh without a, without a doubt without a doubt they could have with with your voice you could have done a whole lot of things announcing uh a a, a, a <laughs> narrated porno
1: <laughs> hey baby yeah all right so This fucking documentary was awesome, man. It was so in-depth. The single greatest
0: boxing documentary of all time, in my opinion. And I've seen them all.
1: Yeah, it just didn't leave anything out. It was just so thorough.
0: And they could have have done 10 episodes. They only did four. A shout-out to the director, Matt Whitecross. He did a sensational job filmmaking. And, um... The young man's only 40, so he was a child when all this stuff was going on, it, so he picked the right commentators. Uh, the people who did the Mike Tyson documentary, which we ripped apart, you had clowns like Skip Bayless. On, no, on this documentary, you had the great Teddy Atlas, you had a, a, a Bonnie Greer, Michael Ezra, you had a lot of great social commentators and Fight commentators, Steve Farhood, uh, Larry Merchant, who was there. They weren't behind their desk at a newspaper uh, uh, typing off what, what they saw on television like that clown Skip Bayless didn't know. They
1: was there.
0: Many of them attended these fights. And it was well, – they, they, the, they were
1: – go ahead. They had the voice of many the boxers, too. Um, well, they interviewed I mean, all
0: four. All four yeah. interviewed because, remember – Marvin Hagler didn't die till March. This was already done, so they got everybody. Right. They got they got Hagler, Duran, Leonard, and Hearns. And the only negative I have about this documentary is they didn't need the they didn't need the uh, closed caption for Tommy Hearns. We, we understood everything Hearns said. They put it there. <laughs> But which really—that was the only negative uh, that I that I took from this. They didn't need it because I understood every word he said.
1: Well, maybe other people didn't. I mean, he did. They're they were trying to dramatize the fact that he was in there too long, and you needed to like.
0: Well, he his, well he, he, he all, the only one that wasn't there too long was Hagler. All the the other three were there too long.
1: All of them, yeah.
0: Not Hagler. Hagler retired after the Leonard fight, and never looked back. While the other three fought way past their prime. But
1: who, I mean, who was the worst? Yeah. It was probably it was probably uh, Hearns, right?
0: The funny part of uh, that Hearns came back at forty six and forty seven, which they don't mention in the documentary to fight. I mean, he fought two stiffs and one, but he had no business fighting. He fought as late as two thousand six.
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah he was forty seven years amazing. old. He did that because his son Ronald Hearns was coming up the ranks as a prospect and he would be the i mean he might have been the main event, but it was to help it was to help showcase his son because Thomas Hearns is the king of Detroit when it comes to boxing, and he was a huge draw. People were coming to see those fights even though he had no business in the ring, and he was doing that to help his son's career a uh, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez did the same thing with his uh piece of shit son, uh, Chavez
1: Jr. Yeah, Julio Caesar seemed to have more success with his son though in doing that than
0: yeah. we well, uh, one is not that good. Ronald showed some potential, but Ronald was a Thomas Thomas's son. Ronald was an excellent high school basketball player who took up boxing late and had a lot of great athletic skills, but he didn't have a chin. And he didn't have enough stamina. And after he got knocked out a few times, he wisely retired.
1: He didn't follow in his father's footsteps, but his father. And
0: and, and was... none of none of these guys' sons have followed in their footsteps. He might have had the most success because Durant's son boxed, and I don't know what happened to him. He like disappeared into oblivion. And I know he's too so old to continue fighting. Now.
1: What is the best boxer son as ever that you've ever seen so far?
0: uh Tim Zhu, who's uh fighting who's uh the number one contender for one of the belts that we'll be talking about later on in the junior middleweight division.
1: Oh, he's on the right. He's a huh? po-
0: He's a power punching Aussie. The man could hit. He hits hard, but he hasn't faced anybody that could fight back yet. So, I mean, uh it's still out. So it's it's the still current out there. Guy. We're, not, we're not sure yet, but the man could hit. He, he he inherited his father's power.
1: Now, before him, though, is there anybody you can think of?
0: Layla Ali, period. End of story. (laughs) That's it. That's it. That's it. You cannot, Logan, you cannot grow up in a mansion with silk sheets, silk pajamas, bathrobe, a maid and a butler, and expect (laughs) to be a great boxer. You have to be hungry. All these great fighters were hungry, starving. They were fighting to to eat. They were fighting to feed their family. If you got a full stomach at 6 o'clock in the morning and your father, whether it's Thomas Hearns or Julio Cesar Chavez or Roberto Duran, is waking you up to go go jog, to do morning road work. (laughs) Pop, Pop, I need another hour. I'm going back to sleep. You know, you're not hungry. You have to be hungry to be a fighter. You don't have to be hungry to be a football player or a baseball player or a basketball player. We've seen a lot of great second-generation athletes in those sports, but boxing's a different animal. The old saying, you don't play boxing. You fight. You got you got to fight for your survival.
1: So if you are already
0: – Sugar Shane Mosley's son is a perfect example. He's horrible because he grew up in a mansion.
1: Yeah, I mean you should just – if you grew up in a mansion, don't try to box.
0: There's no need to That's, box. Yeah. You have a million other ways to make a living. All right, your father sent you to the best schools. Why are you boxing to prove to your, to prove to your daddy that you can fight? No, no, you're not going to be. You're not going to do well. Tim Zhu has been the is been the, uh, the 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 exception to the rule. We'll see. So far, he's looked great, and I'm sure he grew up rich because his father's the king of Australia. So I'm sure. Uh, He didn't have it hard So wherever that hunger's coming from It's working for him so far But let's see what happens when he's in with a real fighter Not these stiffs that he's been knocking out left and right But the man has He has potential He has a lot of potential I'll give the young man that
1: Okay, so there's hope So Mm -hmm. let's start off with the first one of these Which focuses in on Sugar Ray Leonard Mm Mm-hmm Now what I didn't realize is that he was going to quit yes. being a boxer yes. after he went yes. to the Olympics. Yes. Ma- matter of
0: fact, if you go back, if you go back into the archives on the greatest performances
1: on his career,
0: I talked about that. I mentioned that after the Olympic Games, his his goal was to go to college and get a business degree, take care of his girlfriend who became his wife and his infant son, Sugar Ray Leonard Jr. Ray Leonard Jr. But his father got ill. His father, his father couldn't work anymore. His mother wasn't working. She was a housewife. Bills piled up. The mortgage was due. And Sugar Ray knew that the only way to... Oh, and he was hit with a paternity suit by Juanita. Even though they were still dating, she hit him with a paternity suit. And so he needed fast, fast income. And he was a gold medalist. There was offers for him to fight pro, big office. so he went and took it, and he was smart, Logan. He was a free agent from the moment he turned pro to the day he retired. Well, he retired several times, but he was a free agent. He never signed a ter- a long-term deal with a promoter. He, because he's, he was huge in the Baltimore, Baltimore Maryland er- area, he got hooked up with Mike Trainer, who was an attorney, And a minority owner, he had some stake in the Baltimore Orioles. So he was one of the richest dudes in Baltimore. And he took Sugar Ray Leonard as his advisor. He he became Sugar Ray Leonard's advisor. And I believe for only 10% of his purses. The rest was for for Sugar Ray. Mike Trainer didn't need the money. He was already wealthy. His job was to make sure Sugar Ray Leonard Got the the biggest deals and would wouldn't be taken advantage of by the Don Kings and the Bob Arums back then, and it was the best decision Sugar Ray Leonard ever did because he made millions without having to, to the leeches like King and Arum taking thirty, forty, fifty percent of his purse.
1: That's fucking beautiful, and I, it's weird how is that how boxers doing it now i mean is that how canelo's
0: no, doing it no no canelo's doing it now oscar did it floyd did it but they and roy jones did it but they didn't do it at the very beginning of their career oscar signed with Aram. floyd signed with Aram. roy jones signed with Aram. canelo signed with oscar these guys went through the majority of their career under somebody else until they decided to go their own way ray did it from day one
1: so he was just an intelligent guy. And
0: listeners out there, and and we have several amateur boxers that listen to this program that that follow me on that fo- that follow me on Twitter, and I follow them on Twitter. I'm giving you the same advice I tell you on Twitter, I'm gonna tell you on the show. If you're that good, they will find you. You don't have to sign with the Ar- with the Arams and the the, the Eddie Hearn's and the Oscar De La Hoya's. Fight. I mean,
1: even Oscar De La Hoya didn't do that, right? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, he was straight to arrow, and then finally, midway through his career, he cut, he he cut his ties and, and started his own thing. But for many, for about damn eight to ten years, he fought under a Bob barrel.
1: <laughs> so, so they go into. Is there anything about this that you want to highlight? I mean, it was just it was pretty thorough, so I don't know if we have to go through well, the whole talk thing. Talk
0: about Leonard, when they talk about uh, Leonard, right? We uh, you you mentioned that he um, wanted to quit boxing after he won the gold medal to become a a college student, get a business degree. That didn't work out because the family, his 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 girlfriend, the baby, his parents, they needed instant cash, so he signed a deal with ABC Sports through Mike Trainer. In his first professional fight, he got $100,000. And boom. That alone paid off all the debt that his parents had and the paternity suit that his girlfriend had, had filed. Um, he married Juanita. And, and then you saw the success, the fights with, with Duran, the two fights with Duran, the fight with Hearns. Then he retires because in the Hearns fight, he gets a detached retina. And so he retires. What the show brought up which I knew because it came out in the 1991 divorce proceedings was that Sugar Ray Leonard was abusing his wife came out in the documentary was drinking heavily was an alcoholic and a cocaine addict and it all came out in the documentary which came out in the divorce proceedings and Sugar Ray Leonard's autobiography he admits to all of that and so uh, that was classically done by White Cross and uh, Larry Merchant talked about how he would go over and he'd see uh, Sugar Ray disheveled, and they showed clips of him at ringside with sunglasses on because his eyes were bloodshot red.
1: <laughs> so, and he was banging chicks left and right too.
0: Yeah, or, all of the above. He he met and he admits to it. He cheated on his wife, and that's why when 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 she uh when she filed for divorce, it was a. Uh, she slaughtered him in court. He had no he had no leg to stand on.
1: <laughs> now, when he came along, they were talking about they were comparing him to Ali, and that his you know it, there was the Ali they you know they kind of tied it in. What I liked about the documentary is they told you about the history of what was happening yeah. at the time, right? And, well, and they were talking Ali, about how the seventies. Ali
0: was Ali ruled the sixties and the seventies, and he was. on his last leg, and he was retiring, so boxing needed a new face, because Ali had been the face of boxing for almost 20 years. Sugar Ray Leonard was the heir apparent, and he was the successor to Ali as the face of boxing. If you look in since the 1960s, Ali was the face of boxing. Then it was Sugar Ray Leonard. After Sugar Ray Leonard was Mike Tyson. After Mike Tyson was Oscar De La Hoya. After De La Hoya it was Floyd Mayweather, and after Floyd Mayweather, it's Canelo. There's always been that guy, that main, that dude that that makes all the money, and that if you get a fight with him, you'll get your biggest payday.
1: Well, it seems like it's always been the heavyweight until recently, right?
0: Well, well, Ray broke, Ray broke that, Ray broke that, Ray, Ray broke that chain. It was always the heavyweights because, as limited as he was, Rocky Marciano was the man. Before him, Joe Lewis was the man. Uh, Jack uh, uh, Jack Dempsey was the man. It was always, you know, the heavyweight champion of the world. Because traditionally, up until free agency in baseball, the highest paid athlete was always the heavyweight champion of the world. Until free agency in baseball in the seventies broke broke that tradition. And, and and nowadays, forget it. You've got athletes making. Anywhere from thirty to fifty million dollars a year, uh, on, on in the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. But a long yeah. time ago, I would say Logan, up until nineteen seventy-seven, it was always the heavyweight champion of the world making you no, know, because Ali was making millions. I would say it wouldn't be, man. Now it wouldn't be to the eighties because remember Sugar Ray Leonard in his big fights was making seven to ten million dollars a fight. So it probably Mike Tyson was making huge money. So it was. It probably wasn't until sometime in the nineties, oh maybe even two thousand and three, when Alex Rodriguez signed his twenty five million dollar a year deal with the with the Texas Rangers, that the heavyweight champion of the world was no longer the the highest paid athlete on the planet. Because up until Lennox Lewis, that was still happening.
1: Well, is, is it just because Larry Holmes just couldn't? Hold a candle to the personality of Ali. Well,
0: you didn't have the charisma Ali had. Larry Holmes was every every bit the fighter Ali was. He was just as great. He didn't have that personality. Sugar Ray Leonard had that personality, and he had Hagler, Hearns, and Duran that he could that that he could feed off and have these classic battles. Ali, he was the super baby
1: face of that four.
0: Like Ali, Ali was over. But if Ali doesn't have Joe Frazier, Ken Norton, George Foreman, Sonny Liston to fight, he's just another big mouth. He's just another colorful dude. You got to have the opposition to make the people want to come see you lose always because as, as huge as, as, as popular as Sugar Ray Leonard was, there was a lot of people like my father and I who hated him with a passion. and was really, yeah, I hated Sugar Ray Leonard because, my idol was Thomas Hearns, and the night he beat Thomas Hearns, when Hearns was way ahead, and he stopped him in the fourteenth round. I couldn't sleep that night, man. That my, my heart was broken, and so, and I was happy the year before when when Duran beat Leonard, and I was I was I was watching the fight in close circle with my father. We was jumping up and down, also because he won a major bet that night. But we were always really good, sugary Leonard. Because we looked at him as the pretty boy, uh, everything's in his favor, and to beat him you have to overcome all the odds. Because the judge is probably already in his pocket. When Durant beat when the when Durant beat Leonard, he only won by one point on all three scorecards, and he he dominated that fight. So I never. So you had to overcome the odds, Sugar Ray Leonard. Look what happened with Hagler versus Leonard. A lot of people, the majority of people have watched that fight, felt so Hagler won that fight. Leonard won the fight. One judge gave Leonard ten rounds. What the fuck? <laughs> so
1: no, yeah, that was a closer have, fight.
0: You know, that was a closer fight. Yeah, that fight could have gone either way, to be honest. But ten rounds. So that was uh, a much closer he,
1: fight than Duran Leonard. Yes, yes,
0: yes. Uh, one thousand percent. And they, one judge gave him ten rounds. So I don't know where he got those ten rounds from. So Leonard going into the ring like later on, like a uh, Mike Tyson. Like a Oscar De La Hoya, uh, like a Floyd Mayweather, like a Roy Jones, because of the name recognition, you'd had to stomp them out to beat them. You just couldn't do enough to win. You had to thoroughly beat them to win, and and that's what that's what Hearns was doing until he got caught and stopped in the fourteenth round. And um, that's what, and he thoroughly beat Leonard in the rematch, and they gave Leonard a draw.
1: Now, when in this fight with Duran, remind me now, he was undefeated, right?
0: Yeah. With the first loss of Duran, Duran had one loss, and Leonard was undefeated. And it was probably the first time, Logan, since the first Ali Frazier fight in March of 71, Leonard for Duran in June of 1980. It was the first time in nine years that the two consensus greatest fighters in the world at that point, active, fought each other. The so number one and number two, pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world
1: fought each other. And and you would say that Leonard kind of learned from that, and then yes. in the next fight, yes. he yes. he dominated.
0: Good because, and we talked about this when we did the, when we uh, looked at the, right. when we did the review for uh, Handsome Stone movie, where, uh, The actor playing Duran was screaming at Leonard's wife. Talk about S.M.I.D. After I beat your husband, you can come over and I'll show you what a real man feels like. That's actually what happened in real life. And Leonard was so pissed off, psychologically, he fought Duran's fight. Well, in the second fight, he turned the tables. He started flirting with Duran's wife. And he put on a boxing exhibition. And Duran pissed all his weight. And like you have mentioned many times... You thought he needed to take a shit because uh rumor was uh, Logan that so he, he did was take a shit weight. in his pants. He, he was losing weight by taking uh what you call laxatives. Oh
1: right.
0: my fucking god. Yeah, you can lose weight, but you could also <laughs> So he he uh he got frustrated, and he quit. And 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 as you saw in the documentary with Durant, quit. His country turned their back on him. They were they 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 were they, they were threatened to, to, to um, bomb his house. He went home and he basically was isolated. Didn't leave his house. And at the same time, a year later, uh, late 1981, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, his father figure, uh, the president of Panama, the CIA murdered him by by uh, blowing up his plane.
1: Wow, do you think that was in response to that?
0: No, 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 no. it had no it had nothing to do with the Rand. no, 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 now, look at the documentary in nineteen seventy nine I believe the Panama Canal Treaty was signed to law by Jimmy Carter saying that I believe, and the people out there can uh, especially Mr White cross could correct me if i'm if I'm mistaken that in nineteen ninety nine the Panama Canal would go back to Panama. Because it right. no longer be United States property, and Reagan was mad. Reagan Reagan w- was running for president. He ripped into that treaty, talked about Carter was being soft, and the uh, the general of Panama signed that deal. He wasn't going. He wasn't going back. And he was a very popular leader. The Panamanian people loved him. Duran looked at him as a father figure. Remember, Duran grew up with no father. Duran loved this man. And in, uh, I believe, the fall of 81, his plane mysteriously crashed. That was a CIA hit because Reagan and Bush and the CIA put into power Noriega, Daniel Noriega, to become the dictator of Panama. And he was a tyrant, and he helped Pablo Escobar and all the other drug lords bring cocaine into the United States, no doubt he was part of that, he was part of that CIA funded crack into the, into, into, into the communities, and what does uh, President Bush do as soon as he's elected in 1989, the first thing he does is he invades Panama and has Noriega arrested, meanwhile the media didn't explain to the world and to the American citizens, how are you turning against a man who's your puppet? You put him there.
1: Man, with us, they do that all the time.
0: And oh, how did you like when they showed the clip? Once again, shout out to uh, Matt Whitecross. When Reagan is running for president for reelection, and he goes, My job is to make America great again.
1: Yeah, he picked that out. <laughs> Trump completely copied that shit. I mean, and nobody remembers.
0: Donald Trump, and we said this a million times. Donald Trump copied the playbook of Ronald Reagan's presidency and Rudy Giuliani's uh, mayoral dictatorship in New York City. He took those two blueprints, and he ran on those blueprints, and he governed the United States like them, and it's the reason why we are fucking fucked up as as we are right now. (laughs)
1: Uh, But when he... Now he he beats Duran in his comeback fight. Which, if he, if Duran hadn't beaten him, I don't think he would be the the great fighter that he is today. I think that and, and we talk him. about
0: this all the time in our series. It it, it and whenever whenever we talk about the greatest performances in boxing history, and we talk about the boxers' bios, the greatest fighters are the ones that learn from their mistakes. And become better fighters. Ali lost to Frazier. And he lost to Norton. He became a better fighter after that. Uh, Canelo got schooled by Floyd. Has been phenomenal since. The greatest fighters learn from their losses. And that's what Sugar Ray Leonard did against Durant. He learned from his loss to Sugar Ray Leonard. I mean to Roberto Duran, And he became a better fighter and a greater fighter because
1: of it. Yeah, and and Duran just – I mean, we can't forget about the greatness of Duran. I mean, he just – that's played a huge factor in it too. The greatest
0: Panamanian fighter of all time, the greatest Latin American fighter of all time. You could make an argument, and I would always say this. He's one of the five greatest fighters that ever lived. Duran was a master. He was a a great boxer, puncher. He could do both. Uh, There was no greater pressure fighter than Duran. One of the greatest body punches of all time, and one of the smartest fighters to ever fight. Duran yeah. was—you you, you beat Sugar Ray Leonard in his prime. You beat him up over fifteen rounds, and you're as fresh in the fifteenth round as you were in the first round. You're a legend. You're 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 you're, you're God.
1: <laughs> and the question is, how would that Duran have done against the new Sugar Ray Leonard in the second fight? Because we that didn't get that. A,
0: that would have been like an Ali Frazier type fight. That would have been a war. That it would not have been an easy fight for Sugar Ray Leonard.
1: Yeah, which... He did it, not
0: I, get 100% Duran in that rematch.
1: Not even. He didn't get 50, I think. Exactly. Because it's interesting just how that happens. I mean, it's just most of the time you're not getting the best versions of the two fighters, you know. And you know, sometimes you and, are, and that's when the war happens.
0: That that that's that's completely on on that's completely Duran's fault. I mean, Sugar Ray fought his fight. Right. It's Duran's fault that he that he didn't show up prepared.
1: I mean, to be honest, even Sugar Ray in the first fight probably wasn't himself, like you said, because Duran got into his head.
0: Exactly, it works both ways. And another thing,
1: Duran was at his greatest
0: when he was starved. When he fought Leonard the first time, he was hungry. When he came back and the documentary show when he came back and beat Davey Moore to win the WBA Junior Middleweight title he was starving because the people of Panama had turned their backs on him his career was on the line when he beat Iran Barkley in 1989 he was starving when he lost to Thomas Hearns and when he lost to Sugar Ray Leonard the second and third time he wasn't starving he was he his belly was very full and he was sad so he's like ah oh, I was out eating and Drinking and bagging three, four women a night.
1: <laughs> but he still actually didn't do too bad even after that. You know what I mean? It was like he still gave yeah, a few good shots.
0: Because yeah. he, he beat Barkley to win the WBC middleweight title in 1989. So he made a couple of phenomenal comebacks and is one of the greatest fighters that ever lived. Uh, we we talked about Marvin Hagler several times on this podcast. This documentary is the single best documentary when it comes to showing where he came from, he was born in Newark, New Jersey. They showed the New York riots where he came from uh, after his parents divorced, his mother took him to Brockton, Massachusetts and uh, he learned to fight under the Petronelli brothers and early on in his career he didn't he didn't try out for the Olympics because he his, his mother was his, he had to feed help feed his mother and his siblings. So he turned pro, and he wasn't making a lot of money, Uh, and you saw Marvin Hagler, when he had hair, young Marvin Hagler, that was a beautiful-looking man. You saw that when he got the hair and the mustache? I was like, yeah, this guy could have been an actor, but Marvin Hagler was hungry and hungry, and he was hungry to the day he retired. Uh, They showed when uh, he's coming up, he's being ducked by everybody, and he meets Joe Frazier. There was three things that Joe Frazier told Marvin Hagler when they met that would be difficult for Hagler to make it it to the top echelon of the middleweight division. He was a softball. He was great. And so for many years, Hagler was ducked until finally he gets a shot November 30th, 1979 against Vito Anaferro, and he gets robbed. They give it a draw. They scored it a draw. Then, less than a year later, he goes to England, and he chops up Alan Minter in the third round. And as the documentary shows, as we've talked about on this podcast before, the racist British fans start pelting him with bottles and alcohol, and he can't celebrate as his team shields him from the debris and get him out of there before anything happens to him.
1: He was Hello? always no, he ahead. was always thought of as a guy. It was not worth the fight because it would be too hard a fight, and so a lot of people ducked him.
0: Mm-hmm. I and mean, even when he became middleweight champion of the world, he had a hard time trying to get huge matchups like. Sugar Ray Leonard played with him. Sugar Ray Leonard in 1982, he got the detached retina, then has a press conference where he has Hagler there, and he makes it look like he's going to announce a fight with Hagler. Instead, he retires. And so, once again, Hagler can't get that major fight. Hagler fights Duran. Duran fights a great fight. Hagler wins a decision. And then he gets the huge fight with Thomas Hearns. We all talk about that great first round And he knocks out Hearns in the third round And finally April 6, 1987 He gets that fight against Sugar Leonard who comes out of retirement His first fight in three years Uh, Leonard wins a disputed decision And Hagler, so upset by the decision Never fought again Even though, Logan He was offered millions Millions But I, I understand why he never fought again A, he felt he was robbed And B after the gate and the pay and the closed circuit and the pay-per view money came in, he made nineteen million when he fought sugar eleven and and he moved to Italy and he lived in Italy for the rest of his life until he uh, passed away earlier this year
1: and He was the guy that stayed the least and had the least damage done to him.
0: yeah, he retired at thirty two so he, he he never came back. He never came back. And he was but, the only one of the four that that uh, retired. And he's the only one of the four that died. Wow.
1: For boxing fans, I mean, we didn't like that because we really wanted to see that rematch. But do you think he really definitely won that fight? Or it was a that draw? That
0: fight could have gone either way. I scored that fight. For both Leonard, for Hagler, and a draw. Every time I score it, I get a different score. That fight could have gone either way. Um, Hagler gave away the first four rounds. It's his fault he lost that fight. He He's a softball. He tries to fight conventional, orthodox for the first four rounds, and Leonard moves and wins those four rounds. Hagler doesn't start fighting until the fifth round. He hurts Leonard, and he hurt Leonard a few times down the stretch, and he dominated the rest of the fight, but... Can't give away four rounds to Sugar Ray Leonard and think you're going to win a decision.
1: That's true, but when you look at like, what was he? Was he psyched out by by Leonard? Was he trying to prove something in those first few rounds? What, it, what was the whole it, point? I, of that? I don't know. I don't know
0: what he was thinking. Um, he was trying. I don't know. Maybe he was trying to confuse Leonard. No, fight your soft stance. 'Cause you saw Logan, the minute he turned softball, his regular style, what Leonard was doing didn't didn't work anymore. But it was too late. You already gave away four rounds.
1: Yeah, so it was just if he hadn't I mean, that's why I don't understand. Why wouldn't you try to come back? Was he scared of Leonard, do you think? No, bit?
0: no. He's frustrated. He thought he he actually thought he won and he got jobs and he said, Man, fuck this. I'm taking my gloves off. I'm not coming back, he, and he never came back. And and they offered him the world. He ain't come back.
1: How much do you think was the highest offer he got for the next fight?
0: I'm sure because he he made 19 million after all was said and done. So I'm sure he was offered 25 million at least at least $25 mil.
1: Wow, that's just.
0: And also, but I mean, just... you, you notice and the documentary showed this, Hagler used to train inside a prison where he wouldn't see his wife for two, three months. He, and he wouldn't have sex for two, three months. So he built up all that t- t- testosterone and take it out on his, on, on his opponent. But he was also hungry. He wasn't hungry anymore. And a fighter like Hagler has to be hungry. When he wasn't hungry, and he also he's past his peak as an athlete, he got out at the right time.
1: I guess so. He was slightly past his peak, but
0: yeah, yeah. Because any... if you see the fight against a uh, 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 Leonard, he had lost a step. He wasn't as quick as he used to be. Like we've mentioned several times on this podcast, he looked like a boxer should look, built like <laughs> a boxer. He's the definition of what a boxer should look like. Granted, physique, and he never lifted weights. That that physique was for road work was from chopping wood, was from push-ups and pull-ups and chin-ups and and sit-ups. He had the perfect boxing body. Of any fighter that ever lived, he had the perfect boxing body.
1: And his idea of just... I mean, his his way of fighting... Talk about that. Like, who most embodies that today? He
0: is... In my opinion, he is the greatest boxer puncher that ever lived. He adapted his style to how you fought. Uh, Sugar Ray Leonard was a mover, so he's going to attack. Roberto Duran is an inside fighter, so he boxed from the outside. Alan Minter was a runner, so he jumped on Minter and bloodied him. Uh, Thomas Hearns boxed from the outside with that jab. He knew he couldn't fight Hearns if Hearns stayed outside with the jab, so he attacked her. He was the ultimate boxer puncher. In my opinion, the greatest boxer puncher that ever lived. He adapted his style to your style. And uh, a guy like him today, similar, I'm not is great, but a boxer puncher, Canelo, Canelo adapts his style to your style. You notice uh, uh, Canelo in the first fight against triple G, he boxed from the outside in the second fight. He attacked Triple G. Uh, when he fights runners like Billy Joe Saunders and Erislandy Lara, he attacks. Uh, but when he fights sluggers like a James Kirkland or Triple G, he boxes. He adapts his style to your style.
1: So talk about his fight with Duran.
0: Uh, Duran fought probably the most intelligent fight of his career because Duran you. That if he attacked Hagler like he did, let it. Hagler was such, had such powerful punches. His left cross is probably the greatest left cross in boxing history. One of the greatest right hooks of all time. Duran would in that fight he wouldn't charge like he normally did. Duran stayed outside a lot and was trying to outbox Hagler, and he disrupted Hagler because Hagler was expecting Duran to try and slug. So Hagler had to force the issue, but he didn't. What Hagler did was it was a chess match. He tried to outbox Duran. Durant tried to outbox Hagler. After 13 rounds, Hagler was behind on two of the three scorecards. He didn't know it, but he knew that the fight was close. So Hagler, the 14th and 15th round, attacked Duran, dominated, hurt Duran won the last two rounds and held on to his title. If, Dur- if Hagler would have attacked from the beginning, he probably would have knocked out Durant. He gave Duran too much respect in that fight.
1: Yeah, he was bigger, right?
0: They were about the same height, but physically he was bigger. He's a natural middleweight. Durant's best years were at lightweight.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what's so great about these four is they all fought each other. So you can yeah.
0: That's why they're called the four kings because all four fought each other.
1: Now, obviously, the the biggest winner of all of these was Sugar Ray.
0: Yeah, if you look at the records, right? Sugar Ray Let it fought Hearns twice, one one, and one was a draw. Even though Hearns won that fight, he got rocked. Yeah, he but, won. But that you uh, if you look at officially, he won one. Drew once against Hearns. He beat Dur- he beat Durant twice. He lost once to to Durant, and he beat Hagler. So his total record is four wins, one loss, one draw against Hearns, Hagler, and Durant. Now Hagler lost to Leonard once, beat Durant, beat Hearns. So he's two and one against the other three. Thomas Hearns lost to Hagler. Lost to Letit, one draw against Letit, knocked out Durant. One win, two losses, one draw. Durant has the worst record among the four. Durant has got just that one win against Letit. That's losses probably to the Ledet. greatest win. Yeah, that's the uh, yes of all of all yes. That's the biggest win out of out of the four. He beat Letit the first time, lost twice to Letit, got knocked out by Herds lost to Hagler by decision. So his record was one and four against the other three.
1: He got destroyed by Hearns.
0: (laughs) If they would have fought 500 times, he would have been put to sleep 500 times. Hearns was seven inches taller than him. He had no shot in the world to get past that jab at right hand. He was tailor-made for Thomas Hearns.
1: But Hagler fucking... Hagler's a different story.
0: Hagler was a natural middleweight. Durant was a lightweight coming up to junior middleweight. Different,
1: different, different types. No. Right, but I mean, he had about the same reach. Or no, he had a longer reach. But It didn't matter. Still... It didn't matter. Yeah. Durant could not beat
0: Hurds. He was too small for Hurds. And in those two rounds, I don't think he landed a single significant shot in their fight.
1: <laughs> I mean, that was the biggest guy he'd ever fought. Probably.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, well, actually, he had fought... The, that was the tallest guy he ever fought because he had fought right. Hagler before that. Hagler was probably the the, the biggest physical guy he fought, phys, physically. But
1: well, Iran Barkley was even bigger than Hagler. I
0: well, that was years later. And that yeah. and, 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 and Barkley was both tall, six feet, six foot one, and a real middleweight. So yeah, that was probably the biggest total guy he fought. But up until that point, Hagler was the biggest physical guy, and of course, Hurst was the tallest guy,
1: and the guy with the
0: biggest punch, and he flattened him.
1: So let's talk quickly about Hagler versus Leonard. Now, the first fight.
0: They only fought Woods.
1: I'm sorry, Hearns versus Leonard.
0: Okay, okay, all right. And we've gone over this fight a, bill, a million times. I've talked about this fight. I've written about this fight. But in the, But the short version. Sugar Ray Leonard's most difficult opponent in his entire career was Thomas Hearns. Sugar Ray Leonard is a boxer. He could not outbox Hearns. Nobody outboxed Thomas Hearns because Thomas Hearns, in my opinion, had the second greatest left jab in the history of boxing. He was six foot one, six foot two. He fought tall. He blinded you with that jab and then hit you with that right hand. In my opinion, Thomas Hearns is the greatest Offensive fighter in the history of sport, he perfected every punch, the jab, the left hook, one of the greatest right crosses in boxing history. An incredible body puncher when he had to be. When he landed a left hook to your liver and he hit it right, you wasn't getting up. Hearns was the complete offensive fighter, and he had that jab. And in both fights against Leonard, he he closed his eye, he landed that jab at will, the only problem hers had was his stamp. And when he got tired, you could hit him if you had the punching power that Sugar Ray Leonard had and if you had the quick hands that Leonard had. And that's how Leonard overcame Hurts in the first fight. He hurt him in the 13th round, stopped him in the 14th. In the second fight, he was getting completely dominated until he hurt Hurts in the 12th round. And because it was a 12-round fight, Hurts held on and should have gotten the decision. Both fights, Hearns controlled Leonard with that jab. When they were in the middle of the ring, there was nothing Leonard could do as long as Hearns was hitting him with that jackhammer of a left jab. He knew he couldn't let Hearns get comfortable. He had to make Hearns fight in discomfort, and he also knew the one major advantage he had over Hearns, Hagler had one of the greatest chins in boxing history. Hearns hit Hagler with a right hand in the first 30 seconds of the fight. That would have knocked any other man into a coma. Hagler took it and was briefly stunned. Hearns also broke his head on Hagler's skull in that first round. And oh. Hearns was completely exhausted after that incredible first round. So, When the first round ended, the fight was over. The fight was over. Stewart tells... When Hearns when goes back to his corner, he tells Stewart, I think I, I think I broke my head. My right hand. And Stewart says, all right, well, you just got to use the jab. Use the jab. No.
1: Oh, as great it. as
0: Hearns' jab is, you're not beating Marvin Hagel with one with one hand, and you already put yourself out.
1: Damn, man. So, and that's what Sugar Ray did to Hearns, too. That's how he was able to get by that jab.
0: Well, because he went to the body. And, 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 and um, he hurt Hearns hurt in both fights to the body. Because he couldn't reach his chin, because hers was so tall, and peppered him with that jab. But when he was able to get inside, he ransacked hers body. And in the first fight, when he fought hers, hers is six foot two hundred forty-seven pounds. Hers was all upper body; his calves were like pencils.
1: Right. Well, it's a, I mean, so. They also go into in this documentary, I mean, they do touch on some of the war on drugs that you were talking about. Yes. And the, yes. yes. The I loved it.
0: I loved it. Kudos to Matt Whitecross. He blended the politics of the day, the, the the crack era, the illegal weaponry that was brought into the United States. And he showed where these fighters were from and how affected the communities they were from. Marvin Hagler, Newark, Thomas Hurst, Detroit. Sugar Ray Leonard in Baltimore and Roberto Duran in Panama because they got rid of the man the people loved and put him in with a drug lord named Daniel Noriega.
1: And they they all were in in rough rough areas in their, of the respective places, but I think the roughest was probably Hearns because oh well, his...
0: Detroit Detroit <laughs> yeah. was going to hell. Remember the, the automobile industry was dead. Remember Japanese cars were dominating in the eighties. People were being laid off left and right in Detroit that worked in the automobile industry. Detroit was going through record unemployment, crack hit and they were having record numbers of murders. And Hearns was like that was like their hero. He was the one thing everybody could unite and go to the fights and watch watch him on TV because he was the one bright spot in a very dark period.
1: And and his brother, I mean his that that was I didn't know that about his brother that he had yeah, murdered. Yeah, a
0: couple of days before he fought time his brother was arrested, uh, his brother uh got into a domestic dispute and
1: killed his wife. With with Tommy Heard's gun with his gun. It's oh, Tommy Heard's
0: house. It's Tommy yeah. Heard's house.
1: Well he's training for the fight, so Yeah, yeah. I mean I I don't know how you can fight with something like that on your mind, so but he's still hey, good.
0: Hey, in the history of sports, the heaviest hearts have come through when you didn't think they could. Buster Douglas lost his mother right before he fought Mike Tyson and he fought without a care in the world. It was like his mother was guiding him. Brett Favre, the day his father died, or maybe a day or two before uh, after his father died, went on Monday Night Football and put the, and put on the greatest performance of his life as a Green Bay Packer. Times that that oh, perfect example. Not even related. In 1979, and we're man, we're almost to this date. I believe it was August second, nineteen seventy nine. I was in, I was in camp at the time, upstate New York. It came over the loudspeaker that Thurman Munson, the star catcher of the New York Yankees, had died in a plane crash. He was uh, he had become a pilot, and on his off day, he was flying a plane by himself. I believe I don't think anybody was in the plane with him, and it crashed. the The next night, or maybe two nights later. The Yankees' first game after Muntz's death, it was on Monday Night Baseball. Bobby Mercer, who was one of Muntz's best friends, and he was crying when they did the introduction and everything, had one of the greatest games of his career, and he was past his prime. He went like five for five and just had a monster game. So many a time, Logan, the heavier the heart, the more inspired and you you can do godlike things, and that's what these got these guys are proving over and over again, and that's what hers did that night.
1: Yeah, I mean, and whatever happened to his brother? He go to jail.
0: I I you know what? I never looked into it. I'm sure he <laughs> did because evidence, the evidence was overwhelming. So he, for all I know, he could still be in prison.
1: Now. Tommy Hearns, they have him narrating a lot of this, just talking different things.
0: Yeah, and he I was d- telling you, they didn't need they didn't need the closed caption. They didn't need the 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 the, the caption. I understood every word he said.
1: But he even said that Hearns, I mean that a Hagler beat Leonard. He was like, he yeah, he beat.
0: thought he thought. And this is funny. Out of all four. The closest friendship was Hagler and hers Hagler and herds had a lot of dislike for each other going into their fight. They 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 really were brutal with each other in the press conferences and and talking about each other. After that fight happened, they became best of friends. If you watch the second Leonard herds fight, Marvin Hagler is doing color commentating, and whatever herds is is doing, come on Tommy. Come on, Tommy. On, Tommy. <laughs> He's outright biased. He's completely biased. Come on. Oh, when Tommy gets hurt. Hold on, Tommy. Hold on, Tommy.
1: <laughs> I think, I mean, he always resented Leonard. I mean, in many well, ways. He, he hated
0: Leonard. But him and Tommy, hey, when Hagler died, the last person other than his wife that he talked to was Thomas Hertz.
1: Wow. And
0: That's how close they had become.
1: And Sugar Ray became close with Duran, right? Or somewhat.
0: And yet they, they're very, they, they're very, they're much friendlier today than they were back then. Yes, there's a common, there's a common uh, mutual respect, respect between the two. Yeah. Uh, while there's respect between hers and Leonard, hers is very bitter about how he got robbed in the second fight. They were on Mike Tyson's podcast a few months ago, and Mike Tyson was egging him hard. Mike was like, Yo, Tommy, you know you won that last fight. Tommy's like, I know. I know. Get up. Get up, Hurts. And, and, and Tyson goes, Kick his ass, Tommy. Kick his ass.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Tommy got up and Lennon's like, I'm not getting up. I'm not fighting you, man. Stop it. Let's stop it. Let's stop it. <laughs> and Tyson's angry him Kick his ass, Tommy. Kick his ass.
1: <laughs> Do you think that. By there the way, was
0: for those. Any... No, for those of you who are interested, just type in Tyson Tyson, Leonard Hearns on YouTube, and you'll see the clip of, of that interview. And, and, and Mike Mike was just having a ball fucking with these guys.
1: <laughs> Do you think there's, was there was any scenario where um, Hearns would have beat Hagler or no way?
0: Only way Hearns could have beaten Hagler is if Hagler tried to uh, outbox Hearns like he did Leonard. If Hagler was going to come at Hearns, Hearns would have had to catch Hagler right, and he caught Hagler right, and he couldn't—he couldn't knock him down. Okay. Hearns never hit anybody as hard as he, he hit Hagler that night, and Hearns knocked out a lot of people.
1: And I know. I mean, he had a fucking battering ram. Hagler,
0: Hagler had probably the greatest chin I've ever seen in the history of boxing. Um, It's my 45 years of watching boxing.
1: When were the times that Hagler got knocked down?
0: He only got knocked down one time, and and it was a bullshit knockdown against Tony Simpson. It was the only time, and it was a bullshit knockdown. It was a phantom punch.
1: And who was his loss to before Leonard?
0: He lost to Willie Monroe and Bobby Watts. They were boxers like Leonard. They they moved around a lot. Those were the guys that gave Hagler the most trouble in his career. Kamul with quickness. The, the first really watch fight, a lot of people thought Hagler won that fight. The Monroe fight was considered a, a legit loss and he brutalized them both in rematches.
1: Okay, so he learned. Yeah. He learned from that. Now, you really think he's In his weight division, he's the greatest of all time. I
0: got him number two at middleweight. I got Carlos Monzon, number one, and Hagler, number two. Those, to me, are the two greatest middleweights of all time.
1: They fought, right?
0: No, no. Monzon retired in 77 right as Hagler was turning from prospect to contender.
1: Okay, because they talked about him calling out Monzone, but I guess Monzone didn't want to fight him. No,
0: Monzone Monzone but Mon- Hagler wasn't a top five contender yet when Monzone retired. Hagler was at the bottom. Hagler was okay. working his way up.
1: But he's talking about him on the sh- on this movie. Well, he wants so. a shot
0: at Monzone, but uh if I'm Monzone's people, I'm not putting him in with a young tiger <laughs> like Marvin Hagler. No. No. He's Hagler's got to earn that spot. And before Hagler could earn that spot, Monzone was out of there. Now, a yeah, fight yeah. between those two in their primes would have been a war because Monzone had a great chin. And Monzone was another great boxer puncher. You don't, you can make an argument that they were the two greatest boxer punches to ever live. Monzone adapted his style to yours, just like Hagler. This would have been a chess match of the, of the greatest kind. It would have been a very tough fight for either guy. It would have been a 15-round scientific war.
1: And Monzone never faced any of the four kings, right?
0: No, because when he retired, Hagler was coming up. Leonard and hers had just turned pro, and Durant was a lightweight. <laughs> right. No, he couldn't afford any of them, no. Leonard well, and Hurst turned pro in 77. When Mazzo retired, both guys might have had three or four fights in their career.
1: So, but you still, so you so he's the second of all time. Now, what about Leonard in his division?
0: I've got Leonard, okay. Most... Number one, Sugar Ray Robinson, Henry Armstrong, number two. I got Sugar Ray Leonard, number three, at 147. And I got Hurst, and... number four, at 147. And Duran? Duran's the greatest lightweight. The greatest 135-pounder of all time. Greatest lightweight that ever lived.
1: Wow. So he comes out the winner in his division in terms of the greatest.
0: Yeah. I've got Durant number one at 135, Leonard three, and Hearns four at 147, and Hagler number two at 160.
1: Who's number two at 135?
0: Purnell Whittaker.
1: Interesting. And And,
0: and Purnell's the only 135-pounder. That I believe might have beaten Durant, Prime versus Prime.
1: Wow. And who's and who's had, number three? A
0: number three at one thirty. Who did I have number three at one thirty five? I believe it was Betty Leonard, who was a great Jewish fighter of the nineteen thirties and forties.
1: Wow, we go all the way back there. And where do you put Floyd? In Floyd is
0: Jewish. the greatest hundred and thirty pounder, junior lightweight fighter of all.
1: Okay. Them. I was thinking he'd be up there.
0: Yeah. But he's yeah, in one hundred thirty. At one thirty, yeah. Because at one thirty-five, while he had success, he wasn't as great at one thirty-five as he was at one thirty. One thirty,
1: one thirty.
0: He was one of the greatest fighters to ever live at one thirty. Period.
1: Well, that's no slouch, man. That's pretty good. All right. Well, I think like, is there anything else about these documentaries you want to point out?
0: Oh, I want everybody to watch the Kings. It's a four-part documentary. They should be watched. In the last ten years, Logan, Showtime's documentary run is unprecedented. Check out what they have aired on Showtime in the last decade. The Kings documentary, the Hector Camacho story, the Sunny Listed documentary. This is just boxing. Now I'm gonna to go to other sports. Those are three from boxing. They've done uh besides boxing, they've done Rana Test, the uh, Great defensive basketball player, great documentary on his on his career and his battle with mental illness. Nas Ilmatic documentary, tremendous. It's no longer on Showtime, but originally was a Showtime documentary. It's on Netflix now. The Wu Tang Clan documentary. An incredible documentary. Still on Netflix. I mean still on Showtime. The Teddy Pendergrass documentary. Which is one of the greatest musical documentaries ever made. And a guy that we will, sometime in the next year, probably do a tribute podcast to because he's one of the greatest soul singers of all time. Uh, who else do they? They make a Motel documentary, a documentary on Michael Jackson's Off the Wall album, which is a sensational documentary. A great documentary on George Michael, a great documentary on Public Enemy, a great documentary on Whitney Houston, and a great documentary on Amy Whitehouse, who was probably, Logan, the last great singer of this horrendous era. The last great pure singer. So Showtime has been sensational with these documentaries.
1: Yeah, they have. They're very professional, very well done, very well researched have a
0: high standard. That, that, I mean, Matt Whitecross, you could make an argument. And I'm saying, this was the greatest boxing documentary of all time. It combined the politics of the day, the despair of the day, with the four greatest fighters of that era all in one documentary. Perfectly done. And Teddy Alice, in the final part, Logan, had one of the greatest soliloquies of all time at the end when he talks about fighters – how fighters are bored and fighters are fighters and he talked about the four men. Wow. That that my hand stood up on my chest when he did that shit. Shout out to Teddy Atlas because he was sensational. He yeah, was the best good. talking head of the entire uh a documentary. And that's saying a lot because they had some sensational talking heads.
1: I wish they would put him on a commentary team.
0: Well, uh, He speaks his mind, and I believe that after he ripped the decision when Manny Pacquiao got robbed against Jeff Horn, that told ESPN, get rid of him, and you haven't seen him on a fight since. And that fight happened four years ago.
1: Wow. Now we got Manny Pacquiao. I think he's walking into a slaughter here, but... We'll, uh, well, we'll
0: talk about that. That'll be a fight recap next month. That'll be the next boxing show we do uh, for the people out there that are interested. We'll be doing a Prince tribute that'll come out next week. And then after that, the next boxing show will be the recap of Manny Pacquiao versus Errol Spence. And uh, it should be fun while it lasts. Uh, I I agree with you. I'm making a prediction right now. And Logan will give his prediction are am predicting either a blowout of a decision or a late-round knockout by Errol Spence over Manny Pacquiao. What do you think, Logan?
1: Yeah, I think I don't think he's going to go down necessarily. I just think that the ref is going to stop it in around round. It might I think be a cool, or, or,
0: or Freddie Roach might stop it.
1: Yeah. But I, mean, I think the ref will. Um, in, and in you like notice round. a
0: lot of times in fighters' careers – It comes full circle Oscar De La Hoya For all intents and purposes Ended Chavez's career And then his career was ended By Manny Pacquiao By retiring the court after Pacquiao beat the hell out of him Even though De La Hoya is coming back And that's part of the circus that I don't talk about Then Now Manny Pacquiao retired De La Hoya And now something similar I predict will happen to him Against Errol Spence It's full circle It happens all the time
1: so you think this is his last fight? I don't think so, Manny Pacquiao. Mean, come
0: on, I don't, I don't see. Uh, the only way he could beat Spence is if he knocks Spence out. Pacquiao has knocked one fighter out in the last ten years. He's not knocking out Errol Spence.
1: No, but I think he's going to fight again. I don't think he's going to stop fighting after this.
0: Come on, let, you're right. Unfortunately, you're right.
1: I mean, he's, can make, yeah. he can still make money off his name. That's what's fucked up. I mean, that's yeah, what this he, documentary he'll looked be at.
0: He'll be 43 before the end of the year. Can we stop it? Right. This man, talk about being poor. This man was eating garbage out of, out, out of trash cans as a little boy, becoming one of the richest men ever out of the Philippines. He, he's a congressman in the Philippines. He doesn't have to fight anymore.
1: Okay, for one silver... I am Logan Time Traveler, and you've been listening to World Championship Boxing, and we are done, and we will see you next time when we talk about the fight between Manny Pacquiao and Errol Spence. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye.